Pelotero Pickle, episode 26. We've got Super Bowl recap. We got Dustin Pedroia tapping out, retiring. Trevor Bowers going to the Dodgers for some big time money. And we got some post show talking about MLB the show. Jump in with us. Pickle, 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 episode 26. We got Super Bowl. We got Pedroia retiring. We got Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers. We got some post-show. Tom Brady, how are you doing? No. It's, I told you so, man. Did you notice my name on, on the uh, broadcast today? Yeah, I did. It's cute. It's excellent. All he does is win, yeah. win, win, no matter what. That's all he does, guys. Stop betting against him. I hate when people don't bet against him, especially when he's an underdog. God, it's even worse. And, yes, Tampa Bay's defense was outstanding. And, yes, Patrick Mahomes is a wonderful player, but I didn't think he played great. I thought that the defense for the Bucs did a wonderful job. Came back to what I said to you guys in the Green Bay game when we were texting back and forth. The front four can get pressure in the NFL. It's a different it's a different look for quarterbacks. If you can drop seven and rush four and get to the quarterback, which they did, it's awesome. And then Tommy was electric. Three tut- three tutties in the first half, didn't have to throw the ball in the second half. Did you think there was any chance Tampa would be running out of the clock in the fourth quarter last night? I didn't think there was a chance the Chiefs would not score a touchdown. But I tell you what, that 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 Tampa Bay defense is really, really good. The Devin White guy, number 45, is a beast. He was just everywhere. Um, super impressive. I, I felt like every time I looked up, it was third down, third and long for the Chiefs, and Mahomes was being chased around the field doing, like, backhand run-through slow rollers, like, <laughs> chucking the ball sidearm across the field, which is pretty impressive, but doesn't help you win ball games. Yeah, so, I look, I mean, I think there's, there's something to be said. Like, Kansas City was – I know they won the Super Bowl last year, but they, they certainly, I think, got caught off guard. I think, you know, if you saw the conversation Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator, had with uh, with Brady after the game, you could tell he was like, you got me, man. Like, you just had me. Hook, line, and sinker. You knew what we were doing on every down. That was one of the, That's one of the things that makes Tom Brady so great. Like, I mean, he knew the coverage at the line every time. He picked up – he had to pick up some tells and video. Like, you give that guy two weeks to prepare – especially after off against a team that beat him earlier in the year. Um, but a team that he's handled pretty well throughout his career, generally speaking. Right. Um, you know, AFC championship game a couple of years ago, uh, always played him pretty well in the past too. Uh, look, I thought, I thought Kansas city looked just frazzled the whole game. Like I thought, and, and, I understand that the Tampa Bay defense is is good, and I'm glad everybody's getting to appreciate that. It's the same unit they had from last year. Uh, to me, the safeties uh, are even more impressive than the linebackers. Levante David and Devin White are awesome. Um, David's ten year career Pro Bowl, um, but Antoine Winfield, like I loved when he gave the peace sign to Tyreek Hill. I loved it. It was awesome because we chatted about that a little bit in the pre show. Yeah, I mean, I think, backflipped on him last time. Like, what are yeah, you going to do? So if you do, a, like, a really good celebration like that, I think you should get you should get rewarded for a good celebration, not penalized. They yeah. should have they been like, hey, that was really good. We're going to give you an extra 10 yards. That was awesome. Yeah. That, we, want, we want people to have fun, and we want uh, really good taunts to happen. 
because you did a backflip on us and had 200 yards in a quarter or a half or whatever it was. And we're just shoving it down your throat right now and you can't do anything about it. So peace. (laughs) That's Tyreek Hill's thing, right? That's Tyreek Hill's like when he scores touchdowns, he's like, and then last time he did it to that guy too. Yeah. Winfield, he did a backflip on him and then gave him the peace sign. He was like, I couldn't wait to do it to him. And I was like, he's like, his quote was, I ain't even sorry. Like, I ain't even sorry I got a penalty. And look, I, I thought, again, you know, game analysis, Kansas City didn't look very good. And I think part of the reason, or most of the reason why they didn't look very good is because Tampa Bay made them not look very good. I thought Tom Brady was spectacular in the first half, which is the only time he needed to be. Um, literally just, uh, I mean – as efficient and controlling the game as I've ever seen him. I would say, I would, I'd argue to say that's his best Super Bowl performance because he was that good in the first half to control the game and get them ahead. And like people that don't want to think of it that way, because the the second half, he didn't do much. That's fine. Like literally his biggest opponent, his toughest foe is supposed to be his toughest challenge. And he just stopped on their throats. Was this his easiest Super Bowl win? I feel like, it was all, all, the, all the other Super Bowls were last possession, like down to the wire, field goals, interceptions yeah. of the goal line. This was the, by far the most decisive. It was the easiest win they've had. Yes, I would top say that respect. any. I, I don't even see the point in ranking his. It, like it, it's a binary thing. Like, did you win or did you not win? Yeah, correct. Super Bowl. It's like your whole take on the on playoffs in baseball. Like you can go for four and hit a walk off homer in your last at bat, and nobody cares. Like as long as you win, it doesn't matter. It's what it comes down to is winning the game, and like uh, the you know. The numbers, the numbers are the numbers. Like you know, didn't he have his he, most throwing yards against the Eagles, but they lost? Yeah, he, he broke. He broke the super. Best. He broke broke the Super Bowl record for passing yards. So um, you could say that was the best individual performance, but he didn't listen, win. the thing that Tom Brady's so good at is taking the circumstances that the game gives him and understanding how to manage them to create more points than the other team. That's all he's ever done, and that's why he's incredible. Like I, I don't understand how it's so difficult for people to see it. And that's why he was cool with like throwing for 202 last night or 209 or whatever it was. And it, I mean, if this guy could have, would have ripped them apart in the second half, but he didn't need to, like he literally did not need to like once, once Kansas city came down, kicked a field goal to start the second half and Tampa marched it down their throat. They, there was nothing that Kansas city was going to do to beat them. There was literally nothing, um, you know, scoring the touchdowns at the end of the first half was incredible. I, I said to somebody, uh, normally when you don't get points against a team like Kansas City on fourth down at the goal line, like that can be a, a dagger backbreaker, but th- there was no point where the game, like after they didn't score, I was like, all right, it, you know, Kansas City's going to go down and have a drive, but they didn't. And I was like, it didn't matter. Like it's not going to matter in the game. It's crazy. And, and it's crazy. I, I don't think anybody in America, I, I thought Tampa Bay was going to win, but I thought it would be significantly closer than that. I thought it would be a similar outcome to the AFC championship game when Kansas city got behind and then they'd be chasing it at the end and, you know, cut it to a touchdown or a field goal. And, um, there, I mean, I didn't have, there was no scenario. I had Brady losing. I know that. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not sorry. Fair. Tell you what, seven out of 10 sounds pretty good. Was it like three out of six at one point? I think, or maybe it was like, where the number of losses in the Super Bowl was close to the number of wins in the Super Bowl, seven out of ten sounds pretty good. But, and you know, like not not too many plays away from being ten out of ten too. Yeah, like, like literally uh, the like games we're talking he about lost. A handful of plays and games he lost were all like 
you know, coin flip here, ridiculous throw there. Um, and, you know, but he'll tell you, he's like, he lost those games, right? Like if you ask him and that's the beauty of what he understands is like, there's winning and there's losing and there's nothing in between. Like, Oh, you play great. Cool. Like we figure out how to win. And you know, people, Patrick brought up the point of the Jordan thing. And I actually, it's a, it's, this is the first time I'm like, I actually thought Max Kellerman's had a good take on anything other than boxing in the last 25 years. Um, like he said something about like Jordan was six for six is the consummate winner and ultimate, like there, he, he, it's so hard. It's so hard to talk about the differences like between, you know, between sports, like how, greatest team sports athlete, like, and, and it all becomes an obvious conversation. It's like, I mean, there's no scenario in which Brady and Jordan will ever could ever face off or could ever be part of a, you know, a duel or anything like that. So how, how can you tell, right? Like I, I, I just appreciate greatness, man. Like I appreciate elite athletes. And what I mean by elite athletes is I don't even need you to be an elite athlete. I just need elite you to be an, an elite he's, he's competitor. An elite winner. Yeah. Elite, more than competitor. Cause you can be a really good competitor and not win all the time. A hundred percent. And an elite I, winner. I, old and I were talking about this on the phone. Like there's a difference between a competitor and a winner competitors. Just like, he shows up, he'll, he'll battle his butt off, but doesn't end up on the right side of it. Winner, winner just figures out how to check the box, man. And that's, you got to be special to do that because in order to do that, you have to get everybody around you to buy into that too. And in, and in football, a lot of times that means, and I, I was listening to Gronk's interviews after the game, Gronk 87, it's my guy. Um, and he was like, everybody was so unselfish, right? Like we didn't have, he's like literally throughout the year, nobody complained. Nobody Talking about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brait, um, Antonio Brown on offense, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy on the uh, not LaShawn, uh, on the bench. Like, think about that. Think about like those those guys. Those are all Pro Bowl or first team All Pro guys, right? At some point, and nobody complained. Nobody said I'm not getting the ball. Nobody said I'm not getting enough touches. Nobody said I'm not getting enough enough snaps. How does that happen? How much of that is Brady? Exactly. Antonio Brown couldn't hang out with anybody for the last two years. And all of a sudden, Tampa model citizen because it was Brady's team. Same defense that ran out there last year. They weren't the best. Def- they weren't the best rush defense in the NFL last year. Brady model citizen. Everybody gets better being around him. Like that's what winners do. And like, I'm not like Tom Brady didn't take any snaps on defense, but like they all said it. Arian said it. Leftwich said it. They all said it like, you know, this guy just lifts everybody up around him because he'll take the time to to help make that guy feel better and help him play better and answer a defender's question, make him understand the routes, what he's seeing. That's why he wins. It makes the offense so much more diversified when there aren't egos that you have to feed, when every player knows, like, maybe one guy goes off for two games in a row, then the other team's going to make that guy a priority. So you have to switch it up. You have to – be inconsistent in who you're targeting and for the, for the guys to just buy into that and just say, like what you said about Brady, like he takes what the game gives him and he gets his entire offense on that same page where it's like, look, if you're open, you're going to get the ball. If you're not open, I'm not going to force it to you. Accept it. We're all in this for the, like the yeah. main purpose of this is us to win. So whoever's open, that gives us a chance to win. That's what I'm going to throw it to. And you should be happy about that. So yeah. And all by the ball game and do what it takes. Oh, by the way, if I have to throw it zero times today and we have to run it every time, cool. Yeah.
do, do it takes to win. Um, <clears throat> did you have any takes on any uh, commercials and or the halftime show? You know what? I thought the halftime show was weird. Just like weird. I, I mean, I feel like the weekend. Is it bad that I didn't know who the weekend was before? I knew all the songs, but I didn't like yeah. know who he was. I didn't know his name was the weekend. So there's like some weird stuff going on with the weekend where did he like, did he fake plastic surgery? And yeah, that was like wore, a whole, like there's this whole. He wore that bandage thing that the guys had on under the stage around. If, yeah. If you Google the weekend face, you're going to see this like super weird cheekbones and pointed nose. And I, I actually saw a TikTok about this. I love TikTok, by the way, for any TikTok fans out there. Best social media app out there. Uh, this like this guy's had this whole conspiracy theory about like he's been doing a setup for that halftime show for like months. He had like a fake plastic surgery. Um, there's there's a bunch more to it. In other news, Dustin Pedroia retired officially. So, did you know that Rory is like his doppelganger? So my father-in-law. Wow. Is is Dustin Pedroia's doppelganger? I never would have gone there because he's taller. If yeah, short their faces are identical. If you, I mean, I could, I'm gonna, I'll send a picture. Like it's, it's identical. So we can put Rory out there if we want. That's uh, amazing. He will always be my disco kitty friend from Tampa. The uh, got to watch a full four game series with him in Tampa, and Tampa the Rays always put the stupid disco kitty thing up on the scoreboard, and when you watch four games in a row and they put it up there like three times a game, it gets old really quick. So well, I, look. I think baseball's lost a great player. Um, it's unfortunate because to me, he still embodies everything that's like right about how to prepare, how to compete, uh, being able to overcome stigmas, and just really not fit. He was like, HDMH before HDMH. Yeah. Before it was a thing before, before you had to, before you had to tell people that you were too short and that your height wasn't measured, your height didn't measure your heart, that he was that, you know, he didn't tell anybody that he would just make jokes about, you know, did you see the joke he did at the poppy roast where he said, oh, like, good. standing on his wallet, <laughs> it was like, he just, you know, and his, my head will be through the effing roof. <laughs> that was really funny. He um, was, uh, <clears throat> He, he's like the scrappy, gritty, like no excuses, just get it done. He's he's a winner, winner type for sure. He was – so being in the Northeast where the Boston – the Red Sox are the, the major market team there, uh, he's, a, he's a fun guy to watch consistently. Yeah. Very, Absolutely. very embraced by the fan base. Um, just like blue collar, like just going to go out there and give it everything he's got. Um funny he defend like his defense of uh ortiz was huge i think where he you know he 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 took his stance in really really good ways um supported his teammates worked hard like what else can you ask for performed it's, like it's it's really tough to be that adamant in today's day and age about what you believe in it's really tough to be and to like to to really stand for a lot of the right things right to stand for the compete stand up for your teammates believe in uh, all the things that make up the history and tradition of what baseball is and, and be able to do it with intensity and charisma and your own kind of flair to it all. I think that's, it's a difficult challenge, right? It's a difficult challenge as an athlete to not cross those lines. But when you don't, I think it becomes abundantly clear 
how authentic it is and how much it comes from really a deep rooted passion for the game and, and wanting to win. And uh, I think he, he represented that so much and, you know, it's scary because I think he could still probably play. Um, how big was, so he got, he had a knee injury, right? When Machado kind of took him out. Was that, did that really, that was like the, the, the thing that ended it for him? Like, yeah. I didn't even, it was a weird play because it didn't, it didn't really look severe at the time, but he never really, he came back to play, but he never was himself. He, I think he played only a few games after that. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know the extent of the injury, but I would say the impact of the injury probably goes way further than the injury itself. Um, in terms of kind of the, what it could do to you mentally um, beyond physically, right? Where if you're, you know, you've been out for a while and, um, you know, you're away from the game. Boston had kind of, you know, 13 was the last year, right, where they were really contending. 15, 16. Yeah. I just oh, they won the World Series out. 15. I, I, no, they I won the World Series 15, but he was – he missed most of the year, right? What year I played? When did I play in the in the in the ALCS? Fifty seventeen. They they won the they won the division in sixteen and seventeen, and those were his last two like legit years that he was. And they won the World Series in eighteen. Yeah, where he played like a couple games, trying to come back, but nothing major. They beat the Dodgers. Yeah, he didn't play at all. Kinsler was that's that's what I was thinking of. Like, he, like he was trying to come back during that, but couldn't. So they went and signed Ian Kinsler. Uh, 15, he played the whole year because I remember playing against him. 16, must he must he might have got hurt at the end of 15, or it must have been 16, and then missed most of 17. We tried to come back, but the thing that the thing that realize, let me just read this real quick because I I just found the extent of the injury. He tore off tore all the cartilage off the medial compartment of the femur and tibia. Knee got yeah. stuck, just a bad deal. Like he got the MRI, and the doctor said. Hey man, you could ruin not only your career but the rest of your life with this injury. And then this offseason, he had a partial knee replacement. I didn't. I didn't know how. I knew it was bad if he wasn't coming back because a guy like him with his character and his, you know, he wants to be on the field. Clearly, I remember watching. I see, saw a picture of him taking ground balls from his knees because he couldn't really do anything else. Right. He wanted to be out there. I didn't. I did. I really didn't know the extent. I don't really remember it being reported even. Just that it was bad. And that's. I, I think. I, I, I knew the, the injury was bad, but I think it goes, it kind of gets beyond that, right? Where now all of a sudden you're, you start to question yourself. You start to question if you're ever going to be the same. You start to question if you can ever get back to the place you were. And I, realistically, you know, 18, the Red Sox win. And then, you know, last year and the year before were kind of what they were. But if you're trying to come back now, could you put in the time and energy and effort? I don't even know if you have a full knee replacement. Can you play baseball? I, I mean, I'm assuming you could, but like it's it, it's it's just it stinks to watch guys that you know you consider to be warriors or dudes that you never thought you would see affected by time get affected by it, right? And it's great that he, he's going to go out a Red Sox. Do you see? Do you have to call it a Red Sox here? You allowed to call him a Red Sox? Uh, it's kind of awkward because they spell with an X. I know, so. but people do it all the time. Like, oh, calling this guy a Yankee, but they're the New York Yankees. It's not. It's not like plural. It's just they're the Yankees. So I'm a Yankee. I think a Red Sox. He's a Red Sox. 
I don't, I never get it. I never know what to do there. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Just unfortunately we never got to see him play again or even close to his best because he was a dude, man. Rookie of the year, MVP laser show. That's the kind of confidence everybody needs to have. Yeah. What happened after that? Yeah. Four time all-star top 10 MVP three times gold glove. One, two, three, four times. Uh, yeah, he's a very good player. Uh, should should Pedroia's number be retired in Boston? I think that's a it's a better, more debatable topic. Yeah, it's a different question. It's a different question. It's tough because like when you when your injury when your season or when your career ends in injury, it puts a little different twist on things. Um, where it's like unfinished business almost, and you can kind of the the fans can kind of. Who, who dictates that though, right? Like, is are the fans like the fans at the end of the day are the ones that are going to have a say on it? So, because if the fans come up and say and yell at the Boston Globe or yell, so right, is that fair? Is, is Ortiz's number going to get retired? I think it, it, they're like already talked about, it or they already did they already do it? Yeah, but he's been retired for a, while, a lot longer. Yeah. Than... yeah, his number's up there. It's on the. Uh, I mean, look, contextually speaking, right? What gets your number retired? What is it? And then all of it, it comes down to an opinion at the end of the day, right? It comes down to somebody's opinion about something because there's no, there's no thresholds that you have to meet. There's no line you have to cross. It's kind of how you make people feel. Exactly. So if you, I mean, there's no argument where David Ortiz's number isn't going to get retired ever in that, right? As the Boston Red Sox. Pedroia's, I can see differently because of what your point is. How it ended, people kind of like just forgot about him. And then you bring him back up when it's time to retire. <clears throat> or he comes back for a week and then tries to play. And that sucks because you come back and try to play, and then it's like, ah, well, he didn't hit. Oh, well, is he playing? Is he not playing because he's hurt or because he's tired or old or just trying to collect his money? And the same, Prince Fielder went kind of through the same thing. It sucked. It's brutal. Like, you get these guys who are really, really good for eight, nine, ten years, and then all of a sudden run into some trouble, try to come back, and, and then people want to get mad at them for being hurt. It's like, dude. Come on, pump the brakes. Somebody posted a video, a video of Prince Fielder on Twitter the other day hitting a bomb, and I love watching that guy hit. His neck just didn't survive playing baseball, but, man, was that guy entertaining. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Wait, I have a lot to thank Prince Fielder for. <clears throat> he was on first base for my first hit in the big leagues, playing first. Oh, we're making this about you? Okay, keep going. Yeah, and then he sucked at base running in the division series, so I got my highlights. Anyway, let's go to Trevor Bauer. Sorry. Trevor Bauer, uh, do the Dodgers have the greatest rotation in baseball now and or ever in the history of the game? So that's not. let's my take a time out because we live in 2021, so it's more important to talk about the social media aspects of what happened. So did you see his, like, mass apology that he put out because – Apparently. That was a bigger apology than people like who have like domestic violence issues. His yeah. apology was like like eight tweets long about he had like automated marketing messages from people buying stuff on his website. Yeah, we're talking about like just laugh it off, I guess. I, there, no. Like, there's much worse things in the world that get no apologies, and that was like over the top. Well, I appreciate Trevor. I, I like Trevor a lot. I think he's a smart kid. Um, People can say whatever they want about whether he makes good decisions, bad decisions, whatever, in their opinion, because at the end of the day, they're all opinions. I appreciate the fact that he's trying to 
promote the game because the people that are actually getting paid to promote the game aren't doing a very good job at it. So good for him that he's doing it. Um, the only problem I have with individuals doing it, I think, is it crosses the threshold of, you know, is it about you or is it about the game itself? And that that's where I draw the line a little bit, right? That's where I I just don't get it. Um, I mean, his uh, the whole momentum video stuff that he's doing, he's he's really what I see him doing is he's trying to create a marketing slash media company around the player. Something that like the players association should probably be doing. Yeah. You think like, Hey, Maybe. how do we increase the value of players and promote individuals so that they get paid more? Like he, he did I send you that you the tweet about like, Oh, this person was like, Oh, Trevor Bauer, this is the highest paid player. And we use all the same technology, if not more. Yeah. It's like, great. So like start churning out Trevor Bowers. Trevor Bowers is a different cat. He is a super cerebral, like, bro. He is I, a, he's a psycho in all the reasons that make him a like, like I say that as a compliment, like yeah, he is my, maniacal. My and, dad and I, it's like, that's a compliment. He's my, psych. He's crazy. My dad goes, I love it. my dad goes, there's only one Trevor. There's only one Trevor Bauer in the world. I said, no, there's not. His name is Bryson DeChambeau. Like there's another one. Like, yeah. And there's another one somewhere. So like, there's all there's all these ranges that people live on in, in the way they they do things, right? Like one range is over here, one range is over here, and there's everything in between, right? So like these guys are on the extremes of analytics and the way they interpret numbers and and meaning of the numbers and how they try to apply it to their game. And I think a lot of that is learned. I'm I'm sure most most of those skills or or the things that allow them to be that way are things that are you know inherently present in them. But at the same time. You have to be obsessed with something to get to those points. And I think a lot of people are obsessed with the game, right? I think a lot of people are obsessed with their sport. I think a lot of people love their sport. I think a lot of people, to your point before, are competitors. But I don't think a lot of people love learning how to be great or figuring out how to be great because it's freaking hard. Or just like, having the like the intellectual capacity for it. Not to say that people are unintelligent, but so like, no, isn't Bauer's dad's like an engineer? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's but been I, grooming him from a young age to be curious about this stuff. His dad's have, been involved in the whole Eggertronic stuff. I've re- I've listened to stuff about that. It's crazy. Having the intelligence to do it is one thing, right? You so you say that, right? And you're like, oh, well, having the intelligence, and and, and here's here's I the said thing. The, I said the capacity. I think there's a. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, my bad. I I'm, I'm misquoted, but like having the, the capacity to be able to do it. Every individual that plays a sport, like every guy that gets to the big leagues is not intelligent or every guy that gets to the big leagues is not unintelligent or every, like, I'm sure, again, sure there's a wide range of, of, of types of IQs and brain sets and, and mental capacity and ability to absorb information. What the players in the big leagues do, and I think this is the part that's, that's not spoken of enough. I think this is the part that coaches do a disservice in. I think this is the part that, that doesn't allow – for greatness to come out of players is each, each individual, each different mindset, each different brain capacity has the capability of getting the big leagues as an individual. It's our responsibility to use our strengths as our strengths, identify our weaknesses and figure out how to enhance them. And whether that means you're the smartest guy in the world, right? Like you're the smartest guy in the world. We, we, we know some guys that were really uber intelligent, right? And it became paralyzing to them. That intelligence became paralyzing where Bauer is, kind of the opposite like he's taking that intelligence and using it for deep dives into analytical stuff so maybe that's how you have to offset that but 
again, my, my point and what I'm trying to get at, and the reason I'm really passionate about this is like, I think every type of, of person has an ability to get to the big leagues. And, and this is the whole totality of it. It's like, you just have to be adjustable enough to understand which one you are and use that as your own advantage, right? Because every advantage that you have might be a disadvantage in something else and vice versa. So like you have to take the cards that you're given and figure out how to make those services. Uh, who's going to win the West, the Dodgers or Padres or the Rockies? I, I mean, the Dodgers are really the good now, right? Brooklyn. Their staff is ridiculous. So they got Bueller. Kershaw. Price. Bauer. Kershaw. Price. Bauer. Guys out of the pen. Oh, Julio Urias. Yeah, is Urias a starter? starter? I, I don't know if he's going to start or Let, swing get, man these, or... get these names out. Blake Trainman. Yeah, nasty. Disgusting. Electric. Uh, Cork Nables come back, former All Star. Joe yeah. Kelly, Tommy Canley, Kenley Jansen, the Bruzdar, Gratterall. Like they got some arms. Hey, you know what the funniest thing is? They got some arms. It. So we just named a bunch of pitchers, right? Done a bunch of pitchers. And you can make the argument that Walker Bueller is maybe the best out of all of them, right? Yep. And he's making the least amount of money, which is cool. Probably by a lot too. Trevor Bauer just signed a forty forty million dollar deal this year. Like he's making forty million dollars. That's more than a million dollars to start for the season. I, just I, think, I think it'd be a, a fool's errand to bet against the Dodgers this year. Fool's gold. That's a lot Matthew McConaughey. What's that? Matthew McConaughey, fool's gold. What a movie. Not as good as how to lose a guy in ten days, but you know. It's the same movie. Same movie. Uh, Pocho, this is the easiest Pocho of all time. Fernando Tatis, Padre, uh, cover athlete for the MLB show. Who would win if we played each other in a video game? Chris would win. I have not played video games since the seventh grade. I don't even know what the buttons are on a controller anymore. There's it's really an unfair. Buttons. There's too many buttons. I, I literally couldn't even tell you. There's like, so there's, there's four buttons. Is it's like square circle triangle X? Is that? Then there's like two R's and two L's. And then you got the regular like up, down, left, right. But then like the joystick things. What are those called? Joysticks. Those are joysticks. And those are clickable too? Yes. Are there any other buttons? No. I Like Nintendo 64, I tapped out. It had like the Z button in the back with the joystick. It was like, it was different. I never, I've never been a PlayStation guy. I've never been an Xbox guy. Uh, I played like what was the Sony one? What was the there was another one that came out like when we were in high school that didn't really catch on. I forget what it was. There's a tennis game I played that for a little bit. Sega Genesis. I was uh, you're too young. Nintendo no, and Sega Genesis. I was, I was Nintendo. We were a Nintendo family. Uh, only played Genesis a handful of times at like friends' house. It was PlayStation, Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Wii. Nintendo 64 was my really like sweet spot. I used to play Goldeneye a lot. First-person shooter game. It's big uh, Street Fighter. Never Mario loved Kart. it. Mario Kart was fun. That's about it. I didn't even really play sports games back then. It was like racing games and fighting games. So Chris would win. Uh, what team would I use if I played and will be the show? I mean, the Dodgers, I guess. I think that's – who else would you be? 
I, the only th- thing I can say is I can be myself and again. Yep. I would just use one of the old teams, 2015 Blue Jays. Can you just do that? You can just pick any team you want. I don't know if MLB the show allows for old rosters. That would mean Crazy, still, there's ways if, to. If it is, then you would still get paid for that, right? Would you get licensing no. for that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand anything. All right, I think that's the show, man. I think we're that is the show. I think we're done. All right, and all Congrats, I know, Tom Brady. Seven. All right, enough about that. That is the pickle episode twenty-six. See ya. Peace in the Middle East.